Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Borussia Dortmund have won the European Cup winners' cup. You can feel the passion, the emotion. And Dortmund against all the odds are European champions. Hey Borussia Dortmund fans, welcome to Believe in Borussia episode number 34. My name is Tilo and I'm excited about this one. Why am I excited? Because for today's episode, just before the big match on Thursday against Glasgow Rangers, we have ESPN expert and commentator Mark Donaldson, Scotsman and soccer expert galore. And we will take the match apart and see whether Borussia Dortmund still has a shot and what might be in the way of European glory. With the Europa and Bundesliga in full swing and lots of interesting matches coming our way, you can join the action as well and head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV to get you started. Bet online for all the action online, betting, all your favorite games, sports, and so on and so forth. Catch it there. Borussia Dortmund has been very hot and cold lately, even more so than usual. They get destroyed by Leverkusen at home, and then they go to Union, which is somewhat of a boogie team, and win very t comfortably 3-0. One of the better showings of the season so far. And people like Rafa all of a sudden step up. There's conviction. There's pace. There's stellar execution. And then they get embarrassed by the Rangers. At home again, nonetheless. In a European knockout round fixture. Under floodlights. An absolute shambolic performance. And then of course, just a couple of days later. They come back and thrash demolish Gladbach 6-0 granted it wasn't as clear a game as the result states but still 6-0 come on half a dozen clean sheet everything how can you make sense of this team I think we all try and I think we all fail I hope Marco Rose has a better shot at this um yeah, but I think I by myself am a little bit lost here. So I got myself some help this week. And especially since we're talking about the Rangers and Scottish football, I figured who better to ask than ESPN expert and Scotsman Mark Donaldson. Mark, great to have you on the show today. Many of our listeners probably know the voice. Fewer might know the man. Could you give me a little introduction about yourself? Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me, first of all. Um, I am a football commentator, among many other things, that covers La Liga, Bundesliga, uh, has a keen interest in Scottish football, because that's where I grew up in, in Scotland. And I've been in the States for nearly 12 years now, so loving it over here. Um, but as you know, you, there's no point in just having one thing that you're either good at or you, you like over here because there's there's so many um, people that, that want to get into the industry and you have to have a few strings to your bow. So baseball, golf, tennis, 
and football are the, the four sports that I cover for both ESPN and ESPN International and the commentary of Bundesliga and La Liga goes out on ESPN Plus here in the States. So yeah, a football-loving, sport-loving um, Scotsman with uh, an ability to probably talk too much when he's asked a simple yes or no question, as you're about to find out. Well, I hope so, because this is a podcast, and that's kind of what we do, as you're well aware. <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, I can fully attest to that. I think what really stood out to me was in the beginning of the season, when you called the, the Dortmund games, um, at the start of the season, I think against Frankfurt and Oxford yep. and things, mm-hmm. you were calling out fan clubs on there. Um, first, yeah. I think you called it the Frankfurt fan club, and then <laughs> <laughs> also Dortmund fan club. So... I guess it goes to show that, you know, that you really do look around and, and, and immerse yourself in, in, in these sports and in the culture and in the fans. And, you know, that's very great. I think you have to know your audience as well. I don't want it to turn into some sort of, hi, this is uh, Hospital Radio and it's for, uh, for Dietrich or Jimmy in Ward 5. Here's uh, Back of the Rat Clan. I mean, that, come on, that's, that's something that uh, would, would, would make it kind of amateur hour. Uh, but I, I, look, you're in California. I'm in Connecticut. People get up at stupid o'clock, um, middle of the night sometime. If it's a, a 7.30 game East Coast, it's 4.30 for you guys on the West Coast. At least give them some semblance of the fact that they're appreciated and, and they're, they're, they're welcomed to the broadcast and they feel part of that. And as a result of, I got an email after putting out a tweet saying I was doing the Dortmund-Eintracht game at the start of the season. Um, I got a, a, a tweet and an email during the game uh, from Eintracht supporters saying we're watching here. And as a result of that, I then had a, a kind of follow-up over the next few um, days with the, uh, the, the Brooklyn branch um, of the, the Dortmund Supporters Club. And they invited me uh, to watch one of the games when I was down covering the US Open. Um, sadly, despite thinking I was going to get the chance to do it, we got called in early that morning. I had to call a first match at the US Open. Otherwise, I would have, I would have gone. Um, I was staying in, in Midtown. I'd already figured out which um, train was the... It wasn't the 7 train, but I had to go downtown and across to Brooklyn. And then I'd figured out how I could get from where you guys watched the game or where the New York fans or based fans and the Brooklyn fans watch the game, getting out to, to Queens. So I think it's, I think it's important um, just to, to have an idea of, of who is potentially watching. And the other thing, which I think is, is, is crucial, Tilo, is that we pretty much know, when you go from league to league, from club to club, I did two different games at the weekend, both in Spain, Osasuna against Atletico Madrid, and then I did the Basque Derby yesterday between Athletic Club and Real Sociedad. The people watching who are, are hardcore fans are going to know a lot more than me. When I do a Dortmund game, the Dortmund fans are going to know a lot more than me about the team that I'm calling. The last game I did was the start of October for Dortmund against Augsburg. So for me, the key is know what you don't know and don't try and force it on someone, whether it's tennis or football or, or golf. Be as prepared as you can be, but as much homework will never get you the same level of knowledge as a Dortmund fan who watches Dortmund every single week. So 
know your audience and know what you don't know. I think that's critical for a commentator. Wow, we even get like one-on-one -on -one commentating. So if you want to break into the business, follow <laughs> Mark. Two things on that. First of all, I just came from New York and watched it with the Brooklyn Bros. and um, two sure. weeks ago, and I can attest and assure you that invitation is still standing. So you know, I appreciate that. Thank just you. Just let them know. Let me know. We'll definitely hook you up. And I can probably speak for any BBB fan club, whether it's Los Angeles, Atlanta, San Francisco. Talking about stupid hours, West Coast. Thank you very much. Um, always welcome. And the second thing is, I couldn't agree more. And like, know what you don't know. I think really great people in anything like know what they're really good at and they also know where they need help like for example Jurgen Klopp is a prime example of someone that really adheres to that he's so authentic because he doesn't feel the need to brush over things he doesn't know he's really good in some things probably the best you know but he also always had a staff of Kravitz um, for example you know his co that he's been running with since Mainz days and mm -hmm. uh, and Bukfart, uh, Bukchaf, um Bookwatch, sorry, I'm butchering the name. Anyway, um, who were, you know, not so strong in presentation and maybe probably people management, but really strong in other areas. And he knew that he needed help and he wasn't afraid to let them in and make them really part of the team, you know. So to your point, couldn't agree more. I think that really um, builds strong foundations and really makes for, makes anything good, you know. Um, but let's, bending this a little bit more back into... Um, current events, mm -hmm. Borussia Dortmund, um, I read somewhere it's the most consistent, inconsistent team in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> and that might be true. And the reason I wanted to talk to you is obviously as a connoisseur also of uh, the Scottish football game. Um, yeah, we're having a very, very difficult Glasgow Rangers match uh, in front of us. And mm. yeah. Going by the title of this podcast, is there still reason to believe in Borussia or is this tie done? I would not be surprised if Dortmund go through. And I say that as a Scotsman, as a Heart of Midlothian supporter from, from Edinburgh, who came a Klaus Augenthaler 40-yard strike away from playing Napoli in the semi-final of the UEFA Cup, we beat Bayern at home 1-0 and we we lost 2-0 over there but we had a chance right at the end for for going through so I, I always want Scottish teams to do well I love watching Dortmund I love commentating on Dortmund but I was delighted when Rangers went there and and won pretty comfortably no one expected it I've got a lot of Rangers fans who are friends of mine and none of them expected that I just wonder and the, the, the key for me might end up being Rafael Guerrero's goal eight minutes from time in the first leg. At 4-1, I think it's it's difficult because you need three. You can score three, and we'll get on to Holland in a minute because I think him being fit, and I think they might just push him. If he thinks he's going to be available, and there was some talk, I was reading some of the, the Bay 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 uh, Twitter accounts and your fans were like, is that him in the picture of training? Is he behind um, Wolf? Is it him? It might be, it looks like the kind of the shoes, the boots that he wears. So I think a lot depends on if Haaland is fit or not, because I commentated on a goal that he scored earlier this season and described him as a cheat code. Haaland stays on his feet. What a chance for Wolf! Mukoku! Haaland! <laughs> 
You've got that kind of ability if you're a gamer just to do something, press this, whatever you need to press, and suddenly something happens and you can't stop it. For me, Erling Holland is a cheat code. And even a, a 70% fit Erling Holland, which he's not going to be any more than that if he does play on Thursday night, he's unmarkable, he's unplayable at times. But what he does, it's, it's like a superstar in the NBA or a wide receiver in NFL, the, the attention is attracted towards that superstar. And someone else, if they're good enough or smart enough or clever enough, can benefit from that. So at 4-2, with the bookies, by the way, making Dortmund favourites to win on the night, and no away goals, I'm not saying this is a 50-50 matchup now, a 50-50 tie. I think Rangers are slight favourites to go through. But I would not be surprised. Here's one for you. And, and, and if you if you are of, of, of a, a mind to, to like a bit of a gamble, I would not be surprised if the Glasgow team that goes through in Europe this week is Celtic and the Glasgow team that goes out is Rangers. I hope they both go through. I really do from a Scottish perspective because we have a really good opportunity now. If we can stay above Russia in the coefficient table and get in the top 10, we could be guaranteed group stage football in the Champions League for our champions for the next three years, which would be absolutely massive. So I hope Rangers go through and I hope Celtic go through. But do not be surprised if Dortmund beat Rangers and go through and Celtic come back from a 3-1 home deficit against Bodo Glimt and go through. I told you I kind of speak quite a lot being a commentator. That was a long way around of saying, have a chance. You've got more than a chance in this second leg. Which is pretty astonishing if you watch the game. And I guess most of you that listen here did. Um, I found it embarrassing. I found it symbolic. Yes, there's hope. And they always just tease you to that, you know, to that like one goal of uh, Guerrero and also the, the goal from Bellingham. So it's not all over yet. But it's still a very, very... Not even bad result, but but it was a very, very listless performance. For a European Cup game on a night, I don't care if there's 10,000 people or if you're playing, I don't know, on the Brackle practice pitch in front of 100. <laughs> this is your home turf. This mm -hmm. is Europe. Borussia Dortmund has never won the UEFA Cup Europa League. That would be the last title in their letterhead missing to join a very elite club of few teams around the world that have actually won every competition and that's how you show up is not acceptable to me mm. and i don't even know if it's a good or bad thing whether dortmund is still in the tie i mean to your point right the away goal rule does definitely benefit us because otherwise i think you know it's really over and yeah having Haaland as an option at least I think, if anything, he might be coming from the off the bench, Maybe. or they start him and, and then like something mm -hmm. out at halftime. But I don't think he's going the full ninety minutes. Um, there is definitely ingredients there to make this a very, very uh, you know, spicy meal. Uh, you know, in regards to Dortmund, and who knows? I also thought a packed Ibrox might also affect them because these players do tend to need a little extra spark and. Um, I don't know, a little hostility uh, and Scottish, you know, fervor might actually do them, you know, serve them well. And, and you know, 
to that point, you, you talked about having Rangers fans, and I'm sure you have tons of, um, uh, yeah, Scotsmen also and, and, and football connoisseurs in your circle. Like, when the draw came, like, was there a lot of excitement about it? You know, because to your point, right, you want these big European nights. Sure. Um, and what was the reaction aftermath? Was it like we always knew, or were people like surprised? <laughs> Everybody was surprised. Everybody in Scotland. No one expected that. Rangers went to Lyon many years ago and won 3 0. And they had that run to the UEFA Cup final in 2008 um, when they eventually got Zenit. And they, they won on penalties in Fiorentina. So they've had some really good nights. But uh, you speak to most Rangers fans in the kind of the recent history, that is probably the best result that Rangers have had. And we'll get to that game as well because I think. The way that Rangers played it, if they went there, like most teams go to Ibrox domestically and they're beaten before the game is even kicked off because it's Rangers at Ibrox or Celtic at Celtic Park. If Rangers had gone to Germany and it was Borussia Dortmund at the Westfalen, Signal Iduna Park, you can already be a goal down. So I love Giovan Bronckhurst's kind of mentality and his players to say they, I think it was 11 days beforehand, Dortmund had five put past them by Leverkusen. And, and when you look at Dortmund, I mean, you were speaking about the inconsistencies. Dortmund is consistently inconsistent. When they're good, they're very good. When they're bad, they're horrid. To quote a nursery rhyme or a kid's story. You score six, you concede four. You score three, you concede five. You score three, you concede two. That's your last six results, four of them in the Bundesliga, the Europa League first leg tie, and the Pokal against St. Pauli. So you don't know what you're going to get. And you know what? If Dortmund were to score four at Ibrox, I wouldn't be surprised. How many Rangers would get is another matter, because defensively, <laughs> exactly. oh my goodness me. <laughs> I mean, if I'm, oh, it's just, it's, it's crazy right now. And to, to get a clean sheet um, for Koble at the weekend, we'd have done him the power of good. And the weird thing is he kept a clean sheet when he went to, to Union with, with the team just before that as well. But in between times, the two home games to concede nine goals, it's, it's nuts. So all credit to Rangers for going there with a belief for identifying Dortmund's weaknesses, knowing fine well that Dortmund was likely to score, but believing if they keep their game plan the way that had been drawn up based on Leverkusen going there and scoring five and Rangers feeling they had a chance, I thought Rangers' game plan was exceptional. Absolutely exceptional. Now, the second leg is a, is a very interesting one. No Scottish side has ever won away from home by more than one goal and lost a tie. It's only happened twice before. Sadly, one of them was my team, Hearts. And I was lucky enough to commentate in Bordeaux. And we played a 3-6-1 under Craig Levine. And we won by a goal to nil. We had no idea what to do in the return leg. They were a better side than us. Albert Riera, who went on to play for Liverpool, scored a worldie from 40 yards out that bent and swerved and dipped. And we ended up losing 2-0. We went out 2-1 on aggregate. Rangers have a two-goal advantage going home. So if you're a casual observer and you see that first leg tie and you think, 
4-2, well, that's Rangers through. No chance. So it depends how Dortmund approach this one. Because they don't need to score three now because of the away goals. They only need to score two. You don't need to score two in the first 20 minutes of the game. But you have to keep it tight. And I would expect Dortmund to play their, their normal game, to play something similar that, than what we saw at the weekend. I mean, they, they, they got off to a, a kind of decent enough start. Um, but after 20 minutes, after 25 minutes against Mönchengladbach, it was still nil-nil. I did a game yesterday, it was nil-nil in the Basque Derby after 68 minutes. Athletic Club won 4-0. So I think that, that, that Wolf, um, sorry, that, that Rosa will be, be saying to his players, look, we're better than them. Because I think if, if Dortmund play to their best and Rangers play to their best, Dortmund win. And you were, you were talking about when the draw was made compared to after the game. When the draw was made, Rangers fans were thinking, well, at least we'll get to see a world-class player when they knock us out, coming to Govan, coming to Ibrox, to play on the south side of Glasgow. And I hope they do, because it's one of these... It's always nice when you get a glamour tie if the opposition has a superstar, as Dortmund does. And... I would love to see him stay after the summer. I don't think he will. I think he ends up in Spain. So it's going to be probably the last chance for Rangers um, fans to, to see someone like Erling Haaland, certainly in a Dortmund jersey. But if they can get into the, the Champions League, then they might see him for, for one of the Spanish sides if that's where they end up. That's the gamble for Marco Rosa. As you say, does he come off the bench or does he start? Knowing fine well, that it's completely within the realms of possibility that Dortmund win this game by a couple of goals, then you've got extra time. So there's a lot of man management required here. As a neutral, you can say that's great because you really don't know what you're getting. As a Dortmund fan, it's brutal because you really don't know what you're getting. Um, you know, and it's all about timing. And to your point, the 6-0 on the weekend for a long, long time was not as clear. It could have gone really either way. No, he yeah, wasn't exactly. looking fantastic at the back. Like, Koble got a bunch of good saves, but they were a little lucky too when he um, basically got the ball played through the legs and then deflected it with his heel just, you know, to the side of the goal. They, they struck the woodwork. There was a couple of moments where they could have done better or would have just put it away and, you know, the game goes a different direction. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just football. You can take any game. You, you look at the Hurt or Leipzig game on the weekend. They scored the equalizer. You think like, oh, wow, they're coming. And then, you know, a couple of minutes later, it's a penalty in a red card and they're completely falling apart. If you look at that one, result, yeah. yeah, you're like, oh, of course, Hertha, they're, you know, shambolic right now. What a awful side. But up to that point, I thought they could actually snatch a point there. So, and that's the problem. I was actually talking to Aiden Terzic um, one, two weeks ago or something like that um, when he was in town. And he was talking about his time, you know, at the helm. And even then it was, you know, he said something around, there were too many 50-50 games. And I completely, you know, understand what he's saying. It can't always be such a coin flip, you know, <laughs> like as an as an as in a production on on the pitch. And that's what this game is shaping up to be right now as well. There are many scenarios to your point that I can also see. Dortmund scores a goal, and on the first half, then they get a second, you know, in the second sometime, and then you bring on Erling Haaland. Well, mm. that will just do something to Glasgow too, you know, to, to the Rangers. Like, I'm sure they also watched the game on the weekend. And as far as I know, they played, what, 1-1 against Dundee. So, um, yeah, you know, as a player, then you're thinking like, oh, my God, here we go. You know, we, we always knew it's a great side and 
shoot, <laughs> now, you know, now we're in it. But it could also go the other way. It could be the same listless Dortmund that we saw, you know, at home um, in the first match. And some of these players, um, young and old, it's just not enough. I mean, if I look at Marco Royce after this, the Gladbach game, you know, he scores two goals, assists on three. He was really unhappy. And I kind of appreciate that, to be fair, because he should be. Because, A, that game wasn't as clear as the scoreline, you know, says. B, you still lost at home and tossed away the best chance probably at, at a title this year. And, and yeah, it's, it's just, just, you know, too, too much of a roller coaster ride. And we have too many players that, yeah, that you never know what you're getting. And, for example, Rafael Guerrero, you know, he talked about his goal. I think against Union, he was stellar. He was alert. He was awake. Um, I think he scored a goal there as well. And, and, and when Rafa is on, we are a different team. Like that, you know, that makes such a difference. We're locking up the defense a little better. And then that he's a great footballer. And I think, quite frankly, he might be the, mo the mo highest skilled player on the squad. And that's saying something because we do have a couple of really decent footballers. But Rafa is something else. But for some reason, <laughs> because he's that good, maybe, he just sometimes thinks 98% is enough. And it's not. And the Dortmund Rangers game, the first one, was a great example of that. Not just him. You know, I don't want to uh, like pick on Rafa. Like the whole team, we are down 2-0. You come out at a halftime. And I can already tell by the body language, we're not going to see a reaction. We're not. There was... Again, no alertness, no urgency in movement. Only the players that were close to the ball were moving faster than jogging. Everybody else was still going through the motions. They were doing the same thing. Now, if I am down and if I am angry, I show a greater sense of urgency. I, you know, I even run if I'm on the other side of the pitch because I'm so, you know, electrified. I'm so mad that I need to get that energy out. And the players, to me, weren't like that. So I was not surprised that we got scored on again. The only player that actually showed you know a little bit of that energy was Mukuku coming on and yes he also mm -hmm. cost us a goal with losing the ball but at the end of the day you know at that kind of like I guess equals each other out but the thing is he took the ball at full speed put some pace in it and something came of it and like sometimes we tend so much from from the way that we the player set up the game to kind of like just I don't know they're just looking for the expected you know they just want to move the ball around like a chess match and then find the gap and then kind of like roll through and soccer is about mistakes like you can't prevent it so you need to be ready for second balls you need to put yourself in positions for things that you know for maybe a slip from another player for things that you can't predict and we didn't do that and at the end of the day it all comes down to execution um not about the tactical finesse or what kind of players we feel everybody needs to execute hard and we don't and that sucks <laughs> i commentated on a river derby on the 26th of october 2019 something happened in that game that hasn't happened since and i never thought that this something would be taking as long two and a half years since it happened. Do you know what it was? Reel me in. That was the last time that Dortmund were involved in a nil-nil draw. Oh, <laughs> wow. You think of how many games have taken place since Schalke nil, 
Borussia Dortmund nil on the 26th of October. And I was commentating on that for an international audience at ESPN. And I remember, I mean, that's a fixture which I just love covering because the, there's obviously the 4-4 we've had. Just you get some Don't wacky, love that. Yeah, I mean, I know. Um, <laughs> but for it to be nil-nil, that was one of the big, and that's why I remember it. And I thought, I wonder how many nil-nils they've had since then. So I went back, none, not one. You always concede or you always score or you do both, but you've never had a nil-nil since then. So the chances of a nil-nil happening at Ibrox are very slim, especially with Dortmund needing goals and space likely to, to be available for, for Rangers. However, Rangers played at Dundee United at Tannadice, a game I watched at the weekend. First half, Rangers were dreadful. It was like this hangover. We just need to show up. We can go to Dortmund and win 4-2. We won Dundee United. No, I just need to turn up and we win. Didn't happen like that. They were much better in the second half, created loads of chances. One of those days, you just you just don't score. So if Rangers produce the first half performance that they produced against Dundee United at Tannadice, they're in trouble because Dortmund could score two or three. My concern for Dortmund is how tight can you keep it at the back when you know you've got to try and win a game? Dortmund can easily win a game and, and without going gung-ho. They've got enough talented players and quality players for that. But it's not going to be the same tactics from Giovanni Van Bronckhorst that he adopted in, in the first leg because Rangers can't sit back. If Rangers sit back at Ibrox, you mentioned the crowd, quite rightly so, the crowd will get frustrated. Us Scots just... We, we have a fetish for misery and for moaning. We'll find a way to... to <laughs> you've only won three million on the lottery. Oh, God, I, I wish I'd won ten. We are, there's always something that could be better. And a 4-2 win in Dortmund, there'll always be someone that says, yeah, but if we hadn't conceded to Guerrero eight minutes from time, we would have had more of it. That's the way we are. It's just that it's an annoying thing, the trait that a lot of us have. But we, we find that a negative amidst a, a field of positivity. So... If Sounds Rangers, like German, really? Yeah, yeah. I think we're kindred spirits, to be Probably. honest. Um, I, I think there's there's an element of the fans going to have to be patient because I mentioned earlier about Scottish clubs winning away and not going through. It doesn't happen very often. Oh, Scottish clubs winning away from home in Europe. There was a spell where that didn't happen very often. So I'm sure that Giovanni van Bronckhorst in his post, uh, sorry, in his pre-match press conference on Wednesday will say, look. To the fans, be patient here because we're not going to sit in. He's not going to give a game plan away, but you'll need the fans to get behind the team. Because I noticed in the four previous games that Rangers have welcomed Dortmund to Ibrox. Rangers have scored two goals in every single one of those games. From the first one back in the Cup Winners' Cup of 66-67 to the 2-0 win in the UEFA Cup after Rangers had dropped out the Champions League in 99-2000 that ended up going to penalties. And Dortmund won that one on penalties. I would not be surprised to see extra time on Thursday. I'm not trying to get your hopes up because if you play the way you played on Thursday at Ibrox, Avidazay, but you've got a chance. Um, I think we very much do, but... For some reason, I'm even more afraid that you know we'll move it in a direction and then just scramble it away again with a nonsensical, um, badly defended set piece, or I don't know, a handball penalty, or you know, just something of that kind. 
But um, we're well aware of the woes of Dortmund. What I'm not so aware of is, I guess, Rangers. You just talked about it. And I think it's interesting that you said that they came out flat against Dundee. And it's funny because I guess that could be said about Dortmund, right? They come um, out against the Rangers and say, like, well, you know, we are at home. We're the favorites. Done deal. And then you get whooped. So any chance this could be the other way around now that the Rangers feel too comfortable or at least... Um, the media and the fans you talked about a little bit, getting a little bit ahead of themselves? First, first of all, without, without wanting to be the pedant that says it's Dundee United and not Dundee, my uncle played for Dundee in the Fairs Cup semi-final against Leeds United. It's now the UEFA Cup, now the Europa League in, in 68. And Dundee fans detest Dundee United. And if you get the opportunity, the, the, the stadium's are less than 100 meters apart on the same street. And Apologies to all Dundee and Dundee no, United fans. Of course. It, it, it's like it's like mi mixing Schalke and Dortmund. You don't want to oh. do that. Shame. 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 The away team walks to the game for the derby. They obviously don't take a bus down the street. But it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant sight. They always have. They just they walk down the street. So Dundee play at Dens. Dundee United at, at Tannadice. Um, the, the pedantry aspect of that is, is over. My apologies for even bringing that up because I just know there might just be... I, I've got a friend of mine who, who works in journalism in Scotland um, covering Scottish football, but he's a massive Dortmund fan. Good man. Yeah, God, God forbid you say anything um, wrong. To do, it's, it's, it's the whole know what you don't know again. So um, he could easily be listening to this podcast and other... Dortmund fans who have a bizarre interest in, in Scottish football perhaps might be listening to this. And I, I don't want you or me getting, because um, you know what social media is like. It's a, it, I appreciate it, it's, that. And, you no know, um, that's why we get an expert on to, you know, I wouldn't say expert. Sort of I like just, subtleties, yeah. um, you know, of the, of the Scottish game, which I should be aware of, but. Here we are. No, so, no, 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 no. You're no, you're totally fine. Please, uh, I, I, honestly, I that's why you, we have you on. <laughs> I want you to avoid getting all the, um, the those that just want to point out other people's mistakes because I get it plenty enough if someone says something or I say something and and they get in touch. So um, you don't need to get in touch with Tilo. Yeah, we, we've we've addressed that point. Um, and <laughs> to the to the game itself with Rangers dropping points. On Tayside at the weekend against Dundee United, that surely has focused them. Because I think they went into that first half, as I said, thinking, well, if we can beat Dortmund away from home, then what's Dundee United? And they got they they, they, they went a goal down. And it was like, shit, whoa, what what's what what now? Um and and they had a halftime kick up the backside, lecture, balling to from Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. And they came out much better in the second half. If they'd strolled that 3-0 on the back of a 4-2 win in Dortmund, then they could easily be complacent. I don't think they will be going into this game. The, the British bookies have got Dortmund as the odds-on favourites. And I agree with them. Because if Dortmund play, they're, they're going to be hard to beat. But defensively, oof. All right. So then I'm trying to give this a positive spin. So maybe the other way around. So they think we're all dead now. We're like, you know, well, big number. We just wiped the floor with Borussia Dortmund. Great. 
Dundee United is next. Oh, they're not. Hmm, I guess we're not. Oh, what do Dortmund do? 6-0. Hmm, Haaland's back. Oh, um, mm -hmm. yep. you feel like pressure's cooking now? Yeah, 100%. And they'll know that. I hope. Well, yeah. Why wouldn't they? And the, the, this isn't, I mean, look, in the, the, the group stage, Leon came to Ibrox, won comfortably by two goals to nil. Rangers played well against Sparta Prague and Bromby and won, won both games by two goals to nil. I, I think the one thing that might go against Dortmund is their Dortmund. And they are one of the giants of European football. They, they have an unbelievable European history, the Paul Lambert side that, that won the, the Champions League. They are known by everybody. So I think for that reason, This isn't a progress neither corn. And you might say, who? This is a side that, aside from Luxembourg, that, that beat Rangers in Europe uh, many years ago. And no one even heard of them. They're that, not, they're that less known by people. They don't even have their badge on Google. That's, <laughs> that's when it gets to that, you, you kind of know. And the reason I mention that is the Rangers fans were having a go at Celtic last week. Having beaten Dortmund, Celtic lost at home to Bodo Glimt. And the Rangers fans were saying, imagine losing to a team that Google doesn't even have their club badge, their club crest on. It's a kind of big... <laughs> the rivalry, you, you'll know exactly what the rivalry is, is like because you've got it with Schalke. Celtic Rangers, if Rangers win and Celtic lose, it's bragging rights. Um, for the next day. Bank holiday. It, it is. It, it is. And I can't stress enough how tight a tie this is to call right now, even although Rangers have a 4-2 lead. Because you don't know how they're going to react. They might have 50,000 expecting a similar performance than they got in the first leg. And they end up producing a similar performance as they got in the first half against Dundee United, which was woeful. Then the 50,000 become Dortmund's best friend because they're going to moan, they're going to groan, they're going to grumble. They're not going to get behind their side. Ibrox on a European night is magnificent. So is Celtic Park. Tynecastle, my team. That's the best that we can offer. And if their team come out the blocks quickly, it's brilliant. It's the same as the Westfalen. When, when some of your glory nights as well, you get a feeling pretty early on If, it's going to have, if you're going to have a chance. And I think you'll know after 10, 15 minutes of this game what kind of game you're going to get and whether Dortmund have, have, have got an opportunity. But you know what? If it's nil-nil at halftime, I don't think that's a problem for Dortmund. I don't think so either. And to your point, um, you know, I'll, I'll count on the moaning and self-loathing pessimistic Scots <laughs> to think, here we go again. Can't even mm -hmm. hold on to a 4-2. Typical Rangers. All that mm -hmm. good stuff, energy coming on the floor. Yeah, and like you said, then it's always easier mentally to chase something and to hold on to something that you kind of feel you already have. Because then you're afraid of losing it versus, you know, excited about winning it. And again, classic Jurgen Klopp line, right? His goal was always, we need to be excited about winning and not afraid about losing. Like, that's what he always wants sure. to instill in his teams. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of banking on the players kind of thinking, like, already a little bit ahead and, you know, 
oh, how great it would be to get another round and maybe play this side or that side and, you know, carry on and, you know, be that maybe that one Scottish team that advances and Celtic going out. How great would that be? Yada, yada, yada. And then you're on the pitch and things don't go your way and this becomes quite baggage. But, um, you know, since we already talked about, you know, Rangers, Celtics, uh, Dundee United, um, <laughs> stress this enough now. Um, the state of Scottish football in general, and you mentioned it. Honestly, if the best thing out of Dortmund going out and hopefully Celtic also advancing is that uh, Scotland can get a permanent Champions League spot, I think it would be grand because mm -hmm. you need that Champions League exposure um, for, well, the two big clubs and obviously for all the other clubs too. But just by playing, you know, Europa or or within the, the Scottish Premier League is just not enough anymore. If you look where, you know, where they were 60 year, uh, in the 60s, you know, yeah, actually 60 years ago, basically... Um, better than, you know, their, their, their English brothers, so to speak. And now, um, you know, with the smaller league, kind of like, I don't know, at least that's my perspective from outside, kind of like getting chipped away. Sure. I think it's super crucial to have these teams back because they are so rich in traditional history and we would be the poorer for it. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll be brutally honest. I watch a lot of Scottish football. My, my team's not great right now. I also commentate on the, the Zweite Bundesliga and... And the top teams there would more than hold their own. Okay, in, but how great is the Zweite Bundesliga right now? Seriously, like those matchups every weekend, I'm like, it's brilliant. Honestly, we, we were getting games earlier this season. I'm like, if this would be one of the games of the weekend in the top flight when they used to play there. No. And, and you, look, there are teams in the Zweite Bundesliga right now that would be definitely third, clearly. Um, ahead of everyone else except Celtic and Rangers. Um, so I, I think with, with, with success in Europe, and, and I class success as, as doing better than you did the year before and having a run, and I'll, I'll, I'll be brutally honest, Celtic and Rangers level right now is a, is a, it's probably a second-placed, Europa League group stage team, right? Champ Champions League, the likelihood is with the money and the, the, with Rangers or Celtic likely to be in pot three or four, you're going to get two giants of the game. So your aim is to finish third, which would then drop you down into the Europa League. Your, your, your target is to be in the top two, of course, to qualify for the knockout stage. But we have to be realistic where, where we are, the money that we pay. We can't attract some of the superstars. I mean, for, for, for Celtic um, right now, they try to get Eddie Howe. He wouldn't come. They, they dodged a bullet. They've, they've, got a, they've got a really good coach. But it's, I don't know if it's a Scottish mentality or whatever. It's like, I've never heard of him. He can't be any good. Well, that's on you. Educate yourself better. This is a guy that's been managing in Japan. He's managed the national side. I do a weekly Hearts podcast, and, and one of my co-hosts is Ryan McGowan. Ryan's a, an Australian national team player who used to play for Hearts. He put the cross in for Tim Cahill at the World Cup in 2014 when Cahill mm. scored that wonderful goal. And Ryan waxes lyrical about Postacoglu. But because he's been coaching in Japan, it's like, who, who, who's this guy? He brings over some Japanese players that very few people outside of Japan have heard of. 
and they get man of the match and they score goals aplenty. Um, and people are like, oh, he probably knows his stuff now. But because he had a poor start to the season, everyone's jumping on him and say he's a dud. That's that's life right now. Rangers fans, some of them are saying, oh, well, Stephen Gerrard, yeah, I'm glad he went after all because we were going stale. and well, What Celtic and Rangers have done for the Scottish coefficient, and Rangers mainly in, in recent years, Celtic before that, is put us to a place whereby other teams can benefit. Now, other teams right now in Scotland are actually dragging Celtic and Rangers down by an inability to get enough coefficient points and get knocked out before the playoff round is even is even started. We, we've got teams that that play in Europe before the previous season's even finished. We have to start that early. So Rangers and Celtic doing well has got us to a position. We've gone from 24th in the UEFA coefficient country table into the top 10. So the Scottish Cup winners, if they are Celtic or Rangers this season, then it would be the third place team in the league. And right now it's my team, Hearts, who've got a nine-point lead. We would be guaranteed group stage European football next season mm-hmm. by finishing third. Now, that would mean a Europa League playoff, and the likelihood is we, we would be unseeded, we'd get knocked out. But even if we did, we would go into the group stage of the Conference League. Now, for us, that's huge. That would be our level. That's a good level for Scottish teams. Celtic and Rangers can more than hold their own in the Europa League. Second place in a group stage is is a decent campaign for them. But if we've got more teams playing in group stage competition, we can then attract more players, not so much through the wages, we'd have to work on that, but we can say, yeah, you'll be playing European football here. So that is how it's evolved over the last few years. And it's thanks to, to Rangers recently and Rangers and Celtic, or Celtic when, when Rangers were out the top flight. So that's why I want Scottish teams to do well in Europe. That's why I want Rangers to beat Dortmund and to go through. I love Dortmund, love commentating on them. But it benefits my team ultimately if Scottish clubs go through. That's very interesting because... In Germany, is a similar sentiment, especially when we were still like slipping around the third and fourth position when that made a difference, whether you got three or four Champions League spots, right? So, and in general, just sort of like, hey, you know, they're playing on the same national team. So if my team's out of the competition, I'll go um, with the other team playing. Some, You know, even sometimes people would go with Bayern, you know, who are obviously the most loathed team they're definitely not the most loved team even though they have huge support clearly um but since it's either or it's so black and white (laughs) they don't have very many middle of the road sympathizers but um if they play you know or at least historically if they used to play like let's say a final people are still really behind them which i find interesting because in england it would not be the way like manchester united they were probably, I don't know, supporters would chop their finger off before, you know, clapping for Liverpool in the European final. Like, and by the way, by the way, Tilo, I'm probably in the minority. Celtic fans don't want Rangers to do well. Rangers oh, yeah, okay. Celtic 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 yeah. To do well. yeah. So it's, I just want Scottish teams to do well because it ultimately can benefit my team. And I, I'm in the minority for that. And I, and I don't really care. 
Honestly, I mean, I can see that not being a majority position with Rangers and Celtics, but I of can see not. that being a majority position with, yeah, with Hearts, with Dundee United, with Aberdeen or whoever else is, you know, coming behind. Because to your point, they can all do the math. And it's worth three million. Group stage of Europa League or Conference League, slightly less than the Conference League. It's, some, it's just, it's three million to start with. That's before you've even played a game. And that's money that's, for those types of clubs. Huge. I mean, my my club hearts right now, and our. I mean, I'm I'm close to the manager, so I've got a rough idea of, of how much because I've helped them try to get a couple of players in, so I know roughly what their budget is. And you're looking at in euros, you're you're looking at no more than five grand a week. They'll push the boat out for some. I mean, we signed Craig Gordon um, from Celtic. We got him back. Damn. And he, he, Celtic should never let him go. He's been brilliant. He's 39. He's just turned uh, 39 at the turn of the year. And he's, he's been our best player this season. He's just signed a new deal. So he's getting more money, but he, he wasn't on any more than, than probably four and a half thousand euros a week. Um, four, $4,000 or approximately that a week. He'll be on slightly more than that now. So when you, I mean, what's that? That's that's two hundred grand. That's a quarter of a million a year. Three million is eighteen players on that wage. That's if you get them for free, that's a whole squad. It's a whole squad. So this is when it's up to Scottish clubs to manage their finances better, because if you know because of Rangers and Celtic that your team out with the old firm is going to be playing group stage European football if you finish third and Rangers or Celtic win the Scottish Cup. You're then able to attract players by saying, we're going to be playing in Europe. But then you have to decide, do we break our wage structure? Because we're going to get more money in. But if someone wants a three-year deal on six, seven grand a week, and, and by the way, Hibernian, our rivals in Edinburgh, signed Chris Muller from Orlando City over here in the States in Major mm -hmm. League Soccer. And they have a US owner, right? So they, they're, they're doing the whole speculate to accumulate. He's on nine grand a week, basic. That's twice as much, more than twice as much that what we are paying players at Hawks, right? So they think, well, if he can give them a showcase, he did all right in MLS. If we can get him to do well in Scotland, we can sell him for a lot of money, right? They... They just sold Martin Boyle um, to a team in, in Saudi Arabia. They got three million for him. He's now earning 25 grand a week. Job done. Happy days. He gets his move. He's loaded. Hibs get what they were after for him. That's the way that you should do it. This is the level that we're talking about for non-Glasgow teams, non-Rangers and Celtic teams in, in Scottish football. And look, I've, I've commentated on German sides against Scottish sides in Europe. I remember commentating on... I, I remember Krasimir Balakov scored a, a free kick in the Mercedes-Benz um, Stadium. I think it was the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Stuttgart against Hearts. And Ralf Ranić was the coach. We played the second leg, having lost the first leg to Balakov's goal. And we, we won 3-2, but we went out on the away goals rule. We ended up playing our centre-back, who was 6 foot 8 up front, and I spoke to Ranić afterwards, and he said, I thought this was football, not basketball. What game did you guys play here? 
because we were just shelling them up to them last minute, trying to get a goal back or, or whatever. The Bayern game that I mentioned, Lokomotiv Leipzig and Hamburg in, in the 70s. Hearts have played German teams a lot of, of times in Europe. And I love the whole experience about going to Germany. Um, I think it was the last time I was there. Scotland played in, in Dortmund against Germany. Oh, um, yeah. Well, we, we also played the, the game that I was at, because I went to that game and I went to the under-21 games in Ireland huh. the night before, um, when I think it was the, was it the Versus Stadion. Um, we, we beat uh, Germany under-21s 1-0, Sean Maloney. But we went to Ireland. And I wish to, I wanted to bring this up. I wish to apologize to the, um, the, the, the people of, of Dortmund. Do you still have the fountain in Dortmund? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple, but you've been the one on the, at the market square, probably. One of them, but the Scot yeah. Scottish, the Tartan army have developed this reputation. Well, it's not reputation because they do it everywhere they go. Anywhere Scotland fans go and there's a fountain, they find bubble bath and they put bubbles in the fountain and all <laughs> hell breaks loose and we get barred or whatever. It's just a childish thing. We did that that time, that trip. But just to, there's certain stadiums certain stadia in life as a football fan, a European football fan, that are on the bucket list. And the Westfalen Stadion was one of them. The San Siro for me, Scotland played there. I had to go just because it's the San Siro. And to, to, to have that, the, the German fans were brilliant, absolutely brilliant when we went over there. Before the game, we lost narrowly, I think it was. But after the game, no trouble. We were just there to enjoy ourselves, make friends. Um, we, we went to the Netherlands to play Feyenoord um, with, with Hearts. That was, a, that was the same group stage. It was the first time that the UEFA Cup group stage went to five teams. It was stupid. You played two home games and two away teams. Dortmund would have been Champions League. You wouldn't have been even focusing on the, the lower Europa Leagues or UEFA Cup at the time. So we played Schalke at home. That was a time I wanted to play in Gelsenkirchen. Where they belong. Was... <laughs> yes. On tier below. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just Well, I, I just I wanted to go to that stadium. And instead, it wasn't home and away. It was you played two teams at home and two teams away. We played Schalke in Edinburgh, but we we played Feyenoord in Rotterdam. And we just wanted to go and get pissed. They wanted a fight, a lot of their fans. We paid goodness knows how many euros for a pint. I'm not leaving that on a bar to go and have a pagger with someone outside. So they just fought amongst themselves. And there were some brilliant Feyenoord fans. Don't get me wrong. But we never had that issue. Yeah, the, the we, density we, in, in, in knuckleheads is a little higher in Feyenoord. No, I, I, I know. I, I commentated on the Eredivisie for, for many years. And sadly, because the idiots decided, or some minority of idiots decided to set fire to a train... There, there's no away fans at their classicer, which is a shame oh, yeah. when Ajax face Feyenoord. So everywhere you go, you just try and accentuate the positives. And the Rangers fans had an absolute blast in Dortmund last week. And the Dortmund hey, fans... I believe that. that. <laughs> of course. And it's the same when the Dortmund fans go to Glasgow. They've been four times before the club. More recently, if, if you're in your 40s or 50s, you've probably been to Glasgow a couple of times if you go to the away games. Um, you've probably been to Ibrox a couple of... Ibrox is a brilliant stadium, so Celtic Park. But on a European night, I think you're in for a treat. But Absolutely. what I would say about the Dortmund um, Rangers game, the second leg, 
just something I said earlier about Dortmund, one of Dortmund's issues might be that they are Dortmund. Rangers raised their game against better sides. This is the 50th time they'll have faced German opposition in Europe. But against the bigger sides, they beat Benfica. They, they beat Porto. They drew with Benfica. They upped their game. A European night against a top European side is a special occasion, and that's what we'll get on Thursday. Well, we hope so. And, you know, to your point, there is a certain magic about these European games. And um, I think that love is kind of mutual because, yeah, you know, with clubs that may have not been graced recently with these grand, you know, floodlight type of games and maybe the big names of soccer, but have a following and a lot of the Scottish teams do, you know, and I'm not talking just about Rangers and Celtics. I'm talking about the hearts. I'm talking about... I don't know, Motherwell or Dundee United or Dundee or whatever, you know, like these, there's a certain appreciation and a certain, you know, fun vibe to it um, when, when they come and travel. And I think a lot of people can relate if you're not necessarily a Bayern or Real Madrid fan, but maybe, I don't know, Atletico Bilbao or Eintracht Frankfurt, where, you know, Europe isn't necessarily a given for you. Yes. You, you can relate and you're happy to meet other fans that, that sort of like feel the same way. And that makes it special. And then, you know, then you have a pint together and you have some banter and, you know, and you give it to each other in the stadium. And that's really what makes this game so special to me. It's that sociocultural aspect to it, which is unique to any other sport in the world. And um, yeah, and I feel like that's to my point in the beginning. That's why I would love to see Uh, the Scottish teams coming back into the Champions League regularly because to your point if you can plan with it if you know you're playing Europa if you know you're playing Champions League you can act a little different um, 100% you're, you're, you, even as a fan you know you're playing next year you can start looking for tickets and hotels and all that stuff it, it, you know I mean a lot of people take that for granted but it takes a lot of organization work and free time to do all that stuff I mean we're still in the you know in the pandemic year too so Obviously, all of this has been upside, turned upside down as well. But, you know, back in the days when I was still also in Europe, that's a, that's a lot of work that goes into that. Not, you know, these fans, they don't travel usually like, like, like maybe you would think they would do in the States, you know, where you just book. Like, you know, you, you saw the Super Bowl ticket price, like $5,000 and it's mm -hmm. including a reception here and the something there and the blah, 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 blah. No, it's a lot more stripped down. You know, you... If you're a student or, you know, just have money not rolling around in the house, you usually probably look for the, you know, your budget airline that can get you there. And then maybe some cheap bus fare or train and, you know, trying to get a ticket in a hotel and beat the crowds before the algorithms check up the prices because they're realizing, oh, my God, half of Glasgow is looking right now at <laughs> Dortmund <laughs> and trying to book stuff there. So these things you know become a little more easier which makes the experience better for fans which makes more fans come and you know is good for the game so yeah if that's the case and we can help there a little that's probably the the tiniest of silver linings i can take but um very selfishly i have to hope um it doesn't come to well you know what you can still get your general spot hopefully and then we'll still advance in the Europa League and everybody wins. <laughs> it's a very 
it's about humour as well. I spoke about the Rangers and Celtic, um, the, the dichotomy of their results last week. Rangers with a fine win in Germany and Celtic losing at home to an unheralded Norwegian side in the Conference League. It didn't take one Rangers fan long to suggest if Rangers get knocked, uh, sorry, if Celtic get knocked out of this competition, do they end up in the Eurovision Song Contest? <laughs> and that, that's what it's like. And Celtic fans would be exactly the same with Rangers if Dortmund come back. I mean, the weird thing is here, not only will Dortmund have a big following in Glasgow from Dortmund fans, you'll have every single Celtic fan wanting you to win as well. I mean, Celtic fans support two teams, Celtic and whoever's playing Rangers. Rangers fans support two teams, Rangers and, and whoever's playing Celtic, that's just the way it is. I'm sure you're exactly the same with teams that play against Schalke. That's what football is all about. Most of it's good-natured banter, and yeah. that, that's what we love about it. Yeah, to be fair, you know, there's also games where I need both teams to lose, so... Um... <laughs> <laughs> I've yet to work out how that's possible, yeah, but, but you I know, know what you mean. Um, no, totally. On, honestly, historically, I think Celtic is a little closer to Dortmund because, as you probably know... You've got more of a link with Paul Lambert and... yeah. With the players, but also just because after Dortmund's mm, Cinderella sleep in the 80s, um, when Cinderella things <laughs> turned out a little nicer at the end of it, and you know, we would eventually go win the cup. I think the year before, or two years before, was also the first time Dortmund was back in the UEFA Cup, which back then was, you know, still a huge competition. And um, yeah, we played Celtic, and it was just such a party that. There, there was a lot of friendships made, you know, to your mm -hmm, point of sure. the older ones. And um, so you will still see Celtic jerseys at Dortmund, um, you know, every now and then during match days, during Bundesliga match days, for example. There are still some people that really hold that connection high. And um, so I think it'll go even a little bit beyond um, just being against the Rangers when it comes to some Celtic fans, at least. And, I mean, I love I loved that tie when it showed up. I thought it would be a great tie. And, um, well, let's see how the second leg turns out. But I would have loved Celtic even more. I have to be honest, just because of that, um, I thought that would have been a great party. Maybe it's for the better, because since I can't travel right now internationally, or I shouldn't at least, um, I would have been even sadder to miss that one. <laughs> Um, not to say that I'm, yeah, also going to be pretty down about not being going, uh, being able to go to Ibrox um, for what probably will be a, a raucous atmosphere and, and a mm. great experience. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Well, now we touched on Scottish football on the game on the league. Maybe just to wrap it up, and we're way over time. But if you can, <laughs> I, I still you. can go on. Sure, no problem. <laughs> Um, since you're also commenting on all the other leagues, um, let's talk about a little bit about the Bundesliga. Because, um, mm -hmm. you know, you're commentated or you're commentating on uh, La Liga. I think you also did Serie A. Are you still doing that? Um, yeah, did that for three years. Yeah. So plenty of insights there as well. Where do you think the Bundesliga stands now internationally? I think it took a pretty hard hit as a league that relies more on, um, yeah, match days you know, uh, income and, and, and fans being in the stadiums. And January is the league with the highest average attendance in world football. Not having these fans, not having that revenue. Um, 
you know, hurts on a, on a cultural level, as in, you know, the experience suffers, hurts on a financial level on the, for the clubs that don't have um, investors and money flooding in from foreign states. Um, yeah, and it hurts the product. So what do you, what do you, how do you see it? How do you perceive it? Speaking as a company man with an ESPN hat on, that has an eight-year deal with both La Liga and the Bundesliga. Um, I, I I don't ever take sides because it's not what commentators do. I've got my own personal time, my own team that I support in Scotland. I just love commentating on on good games. I always try and find the positives in any game, even if it isn't the worst. But what I would say about the Bundesliga. Until Bayern is no longer the champions, I think externally to find a fan base from elsewhere, they're going to find it difficult because there's so many individual wonderful stories from look at the Zweite Bundesliga and all the teams that are there, the, the, the stories of Union Berlin um, coming up. And it reminds me of um, the, the Elas Verona and Kievo story in, in Serie A. And Kievo's nickname is Musi Volanti, which is basically translated to flying donkeys. The story going that the Hellas Verona fans saying, yeah, donkeys will fly before Kievo play in the top flight. Kievo ended up getting promotion to the top flight in Serie A and uh, loved that nickname. So uh, you've now got Union Berlin ahead of Hertha in, in the top flight. There's so many different stories the league is um, very crazy and tight right well, now it, it, it is it is but not at the top and there's been so many false dawns so many times over the last few years Dortmund have started like a, a runaway train you're thinking is this the year they finally get the Bundesliga back in the northwest and then for some reason Bayern just go into overdrive. Dortmund find their consistently inconsistent streak, drop silly points at home. Leverkusen, there was times that you thought, okay, is this their season? They came close. I was lucky enough to be at Hamden Park um, when Zidane scored that wonderful goal against Balak's Leverkusen. There's so many of these, these stories. The, the money that was put into to Red Bull Leipzig and then they changed their name because they weren't allowed to do this, that, and the other thing. But until some other team, apart from Bayern, wins the league, it's, it's very difficult to get a narrative. We had the same in Scotland with Celtic um, going for 10 in a row before that. Rangers winning nine in a row. Look at Juventus. I commentated on Serie A. And finally, Inter won the title after eight years of of Juve Dominic, there has to be a freshness about the Bundesliga, about Serie A. It has to be cyclical because to try and attract new fans, oh, do you, have you got a title race this year? Well, Bayern are six points clear already and even Dortmund are eight points clear of Leverkusen in, in third. Competitiveness elsewhere in the top flight needs to be replicated at the top of the table. Yeah, that is definitely an issue. And honestly, I think even Bayern would admit it. Um, when I talk to people, you know, um, around the Bayern club, um, I think they, they, they're well aware that this is an issue. But, you know, one thing is, not since the fault, first time, it's not their fault. And, I, you know, I wouldn't expect them. Like, they, they, they shouldn't, you know, lay down their arms. Like, 
we had oh. plenty of opportunities over the last 10 years um, to actually, yeah, break that spell. At the same time, I do want to point out this is a very, 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 very unique moment in German soccer history. It has never happened. It's completely unprecedented. Since the first time a German soccer champion was crowned in 1903, this is the longest run ever. Up to this run right now, the most any team ever won in a row was three. A three-peat was the absolute top. So this is absolutely unprecedented. And it will end at some point. To your point, Juventus, right? They also look like the juggernauts that can never be caught again. They got their new stadium. They got Ronaldo. They got much more money, a richer family, this, that, this, that, this, that. There was no sign of them slowing down until they did. And now they struggle mightily, at least for their lofty ambitions. So um, I just, you know, I just, to your point, I also find it hard to gauge the point in time when that will happen. And yeah, it's not good for the league's international peer. At the same time, I think it even, it suffers also from some of the less obvious missing items. Like I said, the fans, I think the fan culture is one of the um, big things that make Germany's soccer unique. And um, yeah, if you don't have that, if you don't have that atmosphere in the stadiums, if you don't have the fans going, creating TIFO, creating moments, um, you know, of magic, of uniqueness, then you have a problem. And um, if you're ever, and I'm sure, you know, working at ESPN, you saw the pitch decks and all that stuff. It's always cluttered with pictures of the stands, you know, the, the Gelbe Wand, um, this, this stand, that stand, Bayern, so on and so forth. It's always filled with fans. Um, there's obviously big stars in the league. You could argue there's the best strikers in the world play both in the Bundesliga. Um, but, highlight really like you know the heart and soul is that that fan club relationship and we can't showcase that right now and that sucks too no but it's not your fault it, it it's not your fault as a as a football club it's it's the decision that's been taken at a much higher level what german clubs and other clubs have to worry about is getting their own house in order things that they have control over doing what they can. And I'll be honest, one of the most positive things for me with regards to the Bundesliga was Nicholas Sula announcing that he was going to Dortmund on a free transfer. How many times over the past 10 years has it been a one-way road down south to Bavaria? It's just, it's nuts. Now, when Sula decides, I'm going to go the other way, I'm like, okay. I mean, it's not Matt Hummels, which was a weird, just seeing him in the wrong strip was different. It was, was weird. But, but Sula is like, you know what? There might be many reasons for that, but it's it's not a continuation of what we've seen so often. All it's of them something are good. a little, yeah, a little, <laughs> a little bit different. So, I, with the fans, it's not it's not the the league's fault. The, the league do what they're told, basically by the local authorities. That will come to pass hopefully if everyone does their bit or the majority do their bit, get fans back in the stands. I mean, I don't know if if German football fans realize that your leagues, top flight, Zweite Bundesliga, are looked upon from so many leagues, countries, fans outside of Germany as that's the benchmark. That's the way we want to do it. How your your train ticket or your public transport ticket is included a lot of the time in your match day experience, your match day ticket. And that's the way that I'm not saying it should be. Everyone's got their own plans or traditions that they do before the game, but the Germans just get it right. 
it's just like, well, from from the outside looking in, if the Germans do it, then they must be doing something right. So let's copy them. Fine. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think you're aware, and I think it's a sense of pride. Um, and um, but it's it's you know it's it's a dynamic thing, and I, I'll be very honest i'm i'm curious how this will pan out post pandemic because um it's just such a crass break for a lot of the um you know supporters groups and 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 regulars in these grounds that basically had more or less dedicated all of their free life and probably a little more even um to their clubs you know traveling there going there every weekend going away you know preparing TIFO, meeting with the fan clubs, this, that, that takes up a lot of time. And they take it very seriously because it's more than just sort of like, I don't know, a target membership or something like that, you know, where you just slip a card in and get 10% at the fan shop or something like that. Um, for a lot of them, it's about, yeah, participation, being seen, um, you know, using the club to um, make changes in their community and not as a PR play, but because they can, and they see it as their responsibility within the club law and um, yeah, not having have that, you know, and maybe realizing, Oh, there's other things in life that are also fun. I don't know, or just taking more time for the family. I wonder how much, you know, will have gotten lost, but we will not know until after the fact. And I don't, you know, I'm well aware it's not the fault of the club. It's not the fault of the, a leak it's not even the fault of the the government to be fair like they didn't order a pandemic um you know you just try to do the best you can with the information at hand and um you know there's different opinions on how that gets handled but again like it's it's a tough situation all over and um we'll just hope it gets done which kind of yeah brings us back to Borussia Dortmund and Rangers because that's the very same it's a tough situation all over we'll hope it gets done <laughs> Um, I think that's a nice way to cap this. Mark, thank you so much for taking this long journey here with me from the game to Scottish football and to the Bundesliga and back. Absolute pleasure to have you on. I hope we can have you on some other time again. And um, yeah, I still hope Dortmund will win. But I also hope Scotland will get it. <laughs> and the Hearts oh. will make the Europa. How's that? Hopefully. Hopefully. I'll, I'll, make, I'll make a prediction for the game. At Ibrox on Thursday night. Dortmund will win on the evening, but Rangers will go through. Yeah. I I, I had the same thought, but I don't want to say because I don't want to jinx it. So I'm just going to half-heartedly say Dortmund will just win 3-0 in overtime. It's <laughs> <laughs> possible. It's, it's possible. It is. It, dep it depends which Dortmund team turns up. The team yeah. from the weekend or the team from the first leg. If the team from the weekend turns up, I think we're still out. I think we still need to play better, despite the result. My personal opinion. We need to. which Rangers team turns up. The first half team against Dundee United or the, the first leg team and the performance. It's a great tie. It, it really is. It's set up beautifully. I think at 4-1, I would I would, I think it'd be very, very difficult for Dortmund to get a way back into the tie. I, I just think Guerrero's goal could be absolutely crucial. And you know what? I would not be surprised if on Friday morning we're looking at it and go, wow, that was some comeback after the first leg. Because 
Dortmund have that capabilities. But I do think a lot depends on on how fit and how much Erling Haaland is able to play of this game, if he is at all. That is very true. He could be the difference maker and a talisman um, for the team. We'll hope so. Um, I'm cautiously pessimistic. Cautiously <laughs> pessimistic. That's magnificent. That's so Scottish. <laughs> I had uh, your colleague Ian uh, Paul Joy on. Um, yes. A couple of weeks ago before the St. Pauli match. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I have a vague, yeah, I have a weird deja vu because also before that game, I felt a little like, uh, it's just that type of matchup where, you know, they're going to bring it hard, be physical in their home turf. And oof, if we don't turn up, you know, with the right attitude, it's not going to work out. And I just hope that this beatdown at home made them a little more aware and we don't run into the same situation. On that note, Mark, thanks so much. Appreciate your time and yeah, hopefully speak to you soon. Tilo, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for tuning in again to Believe in Borussia. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We went a little overboard where we just brought you the extra scoop of insights and sports passion. I hope you appreciated and enjoyed it. If you did, don't forget to leave us a review or rate us and subscribe on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. And until next week, a black and yellow shout out across America. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.